Broadcasting from the third coast and recorded live at Tripod South Studios, this is The Hango Show. I need to get inside your head. I got to know if you insane. I want to swim around. I need a pop socket. But the thing is, I'm like 40 and I don't feel like I should <laughs> be owning a pop socket. You don't want another AOC pop socket? I don't, I don't know, maybe. That was a nice pop socket. I did like that. <laughs> I need to get you a, um, a a table stand for your cell phone. Little tr- little yeah, little tabletop one. tripod. All right, there we go. Hey, there we now go. We're good. How are you doing, sir? <sighs> Pretty good. How are you? I cannot complain. I'm I'm a little befuddled. Befuzzled. Uh, why is the wizard not wearing his robe? It's it's too hot. <laughs> I was about to say you're probably like me, man, like being in a broiler. Today, um, all right, it's it's a long story. Are we are we are we rolling tape? Yeah, we'll I'll introduce it right quick. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Hango Show. If you got here and didn't know it, well, it's your own damn fault. I'm your host Hango Wood, and with me today is is the one, the only suburban wizard himself, Matt Hume, and here for episode number three of Hango and Wizard in the afternoon. Uh. My my dear wizard is not wearing his robe because I think everywhere from the Gulf Coast all the way to the Midwest it is just sweltering hot right now. It's ridiculous. So this is this was the coolest. First off, thanks for being on. Uh, it's good to see you, brother. I'm glad and, to have uh, you back, dude. Yeah. Um, yeah. Today was the coolest day this week. Eighty seven. It's um, it's like ninety five here, but it's not nowhere near yeah. as humid as it has been. Supposed to be ninety nine tomorrow and Tuesday. Yep. Yeah. The problem is there's no wind. Exactly. The air is like completely dead. The stagnant. So yeah, it's so it's ridiculous. So last Monday, normally go to the laundromat to go get my clothes done. And uh that's the reason I'm wearing a wife beater and not the robe. <laughs> Because uh, I pull in the parking lot at the laundromat, and it's summertime. It's 100 degrees out. So the homeless people are posting up in the laundromat. So uh, I pull up, look through the window, and uh, there's this old, older, probably in his 50s, black man. And uh, he's bent over. His pants are around his knees. Oh, my. No underwear. Full moon. He's got a dog on a leash, and he's wiping something off the floor. And I just, nope, put it in reverse. (laughs) Not today. This is not the day for it. I will will wear the ratty underwear for this next week. Some things we just can't handle. And I would think seeing a a homeless man with his pants around his ankles would would be a a dead good way to uh, go somewhere else. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. So I just noped out of there. It was like, nope, no. I'll wear uh, the, the the beaten up t shirts and and whatever for the rest of the week. So yeah, you gotta you gotta choose your battle sometimes. You really do because I know like he had stood up and pulled up his pants and like turned it as I as I was shifting it back into drive to pull away. He, we made eye contact and he had that look in his eye like I kind of want to ruin somebody's day. <laughs> You're like, well, it's not gonna be me today, buddy. I'm sorry. Exactly. Nope. Nope. 
so yeah, hopefully I might go there tomorrow. I, I think I should probably find a new laundromat to go to because that one has been in decline for a while. Oh boy. It's always hard yeah. to find a really good one. Um, it is. When there I, was one that I used to go to. It closed up during COVID and didn't open back up, but it was um, a laundromat slash bar. Oh, nice. And there were two, this is like a, a suburban house that had been a one story that had been converted into half of it was a laundromat, real small, half of it was a bar, a bar. Again, pretty small. But it was all these old timers from the neighborhood that it, that was in. They were the regulars, you know. And that was a that was a nice place because you can get your get your uh, clothes done and then go next door while you wait and have a couple beers, listen to the old timers talk shit, and that was a lot of fun. I've always been a fan of, of the old timers talking shit. You know, I I think it's just uh, for me around my grandfather so much growing up. You know, and the guys would sit around at the gas station. They'd sit around at the local little diner or something. There was always it's like every small diner here, every small little restaurant has got a big table toward the front when you first walk in. And that's where all the old men sit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's the same anywhere else in this country, but I think it's a very small town thing. And that's where all the old men sat all day long and drank coffee and shot the shit. Uh, yeah. In the town I live in now, we really don't have that kind of place, but the Hardys we had here in town was that forever because they were the last place that let you still smoke inside. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's kind of gone now because all the old guys want to sit around and smoke cigarettes and drink coffee. And now you can't smoke indoors anywhere. Yeah. There was a, well, Gingham's you've been, mm-hmm. went to Gingham's before they moved that into the, their new location. That was the place here in St. Charles because you could smoke inside. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, at their old location, they had, I worked there for a little bit and there was always, Six in the morning, here come, you know, three or four guys, and they all sit at the front counter, and they smoke, and they drink coffee, and and uh, they'd hang out till about noon, and then they'd, you know, go on with the rest of their day. Yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was always – you'd always get a good story, or – I remember one – because this was probably 2007, 2008. One of them got us – yeah, it was around 2008. One of them had gotten a smartphone. And I remember he was showing the other old timers, and they're all like 70, 80, how to look up porn on the <laughs> smartphone. Oh, fantastic. And they just spent like the whole morning, because I worked overnight shift, so I'd get off at like 7 or 8. And they would they spent the morning like it's showing one dude was like, "Hey, you can look look at this girl's twat." And he's like, "Okay, God, come on, God. you're. I know you. I know you don't care anymore about what other people think of you, but for the sake of the restaurant, please keep it down, Grandpa. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, that, that's great. Um, would you want to talk about uh, religion and whatnot? Yeah, we can. Okay, um, I didn't know if you if you cared about talking about that or at all or not. I didn't know. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, you have very similar backgrounds, upbringing, uh, Southern Baptist, yeah. Independent Baptist, Methodist, that whole whole little group there. Um, but I think you and I both kind of got our own our own belief system as we got older. Yeah. 
just from what little we talked about it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, of course growing up Southern Baptist, right? In church three or four times a week mm-hmm. as a kid, um, and then decided, oh, I'll go to go to a, a Bible college and study religion. And yeah, I, I got I got very going to Bible college was the thing that made me turn away from Christianity the most. There we go. See, we're, we're in the same boat together. Yeah. And, and even though recently in, in recent years I've, I've turned back to it and I think that it's, it, there's a lot of value in the heritage um, and tradition of it. Uh, and certainly uh, you, I think people need to have a moral that they, that they believe is the absolute truth. Um, but yeah, I, I, I started classes I already went to uh, community college for a couple of years, started classes and uh, got into my religion classes. And it was, I remember it was a trip that the religion class took to go see GK Chesterton's library in like Jefferson city. It's got all his like 10,000 books, his old library. And we went to go there to go hear, hear a lecture about him and then to look at his library. And you can like take books off the shelf and like you know thumb through them and stuff like that. This is pretty interesting, but it was a, a two day trip. And uh, I remember I was sitting in the back of the bus because we all were on a bus down there, and I was reading um, uh, Brendan Manning's The Ragamuffin Gospel, which is a good, a good book, talking about um, mostly about how you know um, reconciling your sin with um, your your want to be to to please God, and how it's it's not, um, yeah you 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 just you you can't uh, hold yourself up to this m- perfection you know you have to allow yourself to be human and a Christian at the same time you know, and uh, I'm sitting I'm reading and I look up and everybody is paired off boy girl boy girl boy boy girl, and it's Christian mingle. Mm-hmm. And, and and I was like, okay, well, whatever. Same thing happened when we were at the hotel that night. And then it became real apparent that like, these, these people weren't really uh, wanting to learn about Scripture so much as to find a husband or a wife. Right. And, well, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It was just that was what they were supposed to do next. Mm-hmm. They it wasn't about their passion for learning or for the Bible or, or their religion or whatever. It was just, uh, okay, well, I'm, I'm a junior college. I need to find somebody to get into a long-term relationship with and possibly marry so that when I start applying for churches, I'm not applying to a church as a, as a single, right. single person. You know, when I first get that, that first youth, first youth pastor position, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it was, it was, I don't know. It was, um, a little demoralizing. And then, I mean, that's not the only reason I, I fell away from Christianity. It was also because I wanted to, I don't know if anybody's told you this, Hango, but sin can be really, really fun. Oh, yes. Yes. I, so I've heard. You know, of course, I would never do um, something like that because I'm a, I'm a good boy. No. I know mom's listening. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've been told. I, go ahead. I've been I've been told it's a lot of fun as I sit here, you know, sucking on nicotine. 
Um, I recently had some fun. We, uh, it was my birthday a couple yeah. weeks oh, ago. Oh, yeah, happy birthday, by the way. I, t- I told you the day of, Thank but you. yeah. And um, I spent the night, the evening with the family, had dinner and some good old Mexican food. and It was, it was a good time. The next day I was like, you know what? I want to have a day just for me. A mat day. A mat day. Yeah. So I did something incredibly stupid and sinful, and I decided to go to there's a there's a pasty bar that's about ten miles. It's in, in St. Louis, just over the river. There you go. And uh, yeah, so I went to this pasty bar where you know have girls in bikinis stripping on the pole. Mm-hmm. I got blackout drunk. Oh yeah, there you go. I fell over. Oh smacked no! Smacked the back of my head. <laughs> Woke up at three in the morning in ER. Matt, you have not told me this. Holy shit, dude! Well, I know. I, we, oh, I, we haven't recorded since because that I had I had a concussion. Oh uh, damn, dude! I got a three three inch. I had a three inch gash on the back of my head. It's it's pretty much healed now. God, it, it was just it wasn't that deep. It just bled a lot, and um, yeah. So I uh, woke up at three a.m. And was belligerent. Um, they had to hold me down and give me shots to make me pass back out. <laughs> Apparently, I ripped out two IVs. Um, yeah. Damn it, Matthew. Was somebody with you? No, Did you have somebody with you at, at the, that you knew no. at the bar? Oh, no. no, no Damn. No, no. So I finally, about 3 o'clock the, the next day, they released me from the hospital. And um, so my mom comes to pick me up. Oh. And I was like, okay, well, we better go get my truck. Of course, it's this pasty bar. And the, the windows on either side of the front door, it's the mud flap girl. Oh, yes. The silhouette of the mud flap nice. girl. Nice, yes. Classy place. So there's no mistaking what kind of bar this is. Right. And we we drive to there, and we, but we can't go in the parking lot because the parking lot has a new level uh, layer of asphalt on top of it, oh. and it's roped off. My truck is gone. Oh no! I spent three hours calling around. Finally, called up the p- local police department, and was like, "They're like, oh yeah, we that, that's at the impound lot in downtown St. Louis, in like the bombed out buildings yeah. of right next to the river." In a literal junkyard. And it's funny because this was the 9th of June that I finally got it out. Had to pay $400 or $420 to get out of the impound. Had to pay $420 on 6 9 to get my truck <laughs> out of the impound. <laughs> when the stars <laughs> are on, yeah. And I had a headache for about a week. Point is, sin is costly, and the fact that I wanted to go see some titties for my birthday, yeah, it, it cost me some embarrassment, and um, I haven't seen her yet, but the, um, the next time I see my, my older sister, I'm sure I'm going to get a thorough lecture. Ah, uh, this will get over. On. Yeah, probably. <laughs> now, me and you have kind of a, a similar path there. I also went to a, I went to a, a, a seminary uh, for a year. 
And in that year, I learned real quick that um, maybe Christianity is just not for me. You know, I had to really, because what I saw at that school versus what I thought Christianity was, it were two totally different things. And, um, yeah, I've, how do I put this? I always kind of had a feeling, you know, in the back of my mind, maybe there's something else and maybe there's, so I started doing some actual reading, reading. I mean, like actually not just going by the books that were given to me by people who were at my same church, but actually doing some research on my own. And, um, I, I, you know, I kept pretty much the core of Christianity, you know, but I do believe that there's other things besides a creator God. I do believe there are other lesser entities. I'm not going to say a pantheon of gods, but there are more things. And how do I put it? There are more things involved in this world and things behind the veil we don't see than just mm-hmm. one omniscient God. Yeah, uh, I think so too. I mean, the Bible the Bible talks about that. Just just going off just what the Bible says. Um, was Elijah and the prophets of Baal, that mm-hmm. story? Um, I, I mean, it was it was a real like wizard off, you know? <laughs> it really was. Elijah. It was a showdown. And these prophets of Baal. And, uh, you know, even Abraham, you know, when he first starts talking to God, like he, uh, I will choose you over all these other gods, you know, mm-hmm. and we, we tend to think that because of, you know, Westernized religion, I include like Islam in that as well. Like one God is the only God that there is, but every other religion going back through history, it's, there's multiple gods, greater and lesser. And, um, they all kind of have their little territories, their little kingdoms, right? The Bible talks about princes and principalities and powers of the air. Right. And yeah, that's, there's, there's a lot of weird and strange that our ancestors knew about. I think mostly because they lived closer to the earth they were more um, shamanic. Um, I, I mean, if you even you could make the case that nature itself is a god mm-hmm. in how it moves and acts, how it has almost an intelligence to it. Um, it's not a consciousness like ours, but there's something there that uh, you know knows what to do with itself. I guess you could say it knows its place. And it knows its function. And, uh, yeah, I'm, the stories and fables and myths we tell each other, we've told each other for out, you know, thousands and thousands of years. There's more out there than just us and Skyfather, you right. know? Yeah. I, I don't talk about it a lot. I know it upsets friends of mine who are, who are, uh, strictly devout Christians, you know, um, and you bring up things. I mean, monotheism has been around since the Zeta Astrians in the Middle East. You know, mm-hmm. people think that 
the Abrahamic religions were the first monotheistic religions. And I'm like, mm-hmm. it's was, it was been, been around for a couple thousand years before that. You know, there was a, a group in the Middle East who believed in a in a in one God. Um, and when, when, just to clarify for people listening, when I say there's more than that, I don't believe that there's more than one one supreme God. Um, I think there are things other than just God the Father going on. I, I truly believe that, and people are going to people may stop listening to this show. I don't care. It's just something I don't talk about a whole lot because I have friends of mine. I don't want to upset them. You know, that's I don't bring up religion a whole lot with people I know that are religious. I don't bring up politics a lot with people that I know are super political just because it causes discord and strife. You yeah. know, and I don't want to upset my friends. I love my friends. You know, I want to get along with my friends. And so I don't talk about it a whole lot, but I know me and you share a lot of similar thoughts on the subject. Talk mm-hmm. about, you know, when we first started the whole check group and everything uh i i said something by identified as, as gnostic and you're like hey who said gnostic I'm like, it's it was me you're like we need to talk yeah. <laughs> i had a very long flirta- flirtation with gnosticism um in the end i i'm i i there's a lot of really interesting ideas about gnosticism there are you know, gnosticism has the approach um to things, it's 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 fascinating, and especially how it kind of weaves certain things into the New Testament. That oh, oh wow, okay, that makes a lot more sense when in the New Testament. Um, but yeah, it, it was it's it's fascinating, and I really enjoyed learning about it. Um, there's a couple of podcasts that I listened to at the time religiously. Um, I really do like how Gnosticism and Carl Jung uh, come together. Um, Jung, uh, the universal consciousness that he talked about. <coughs> oh, excuse me. You're okay. Put my death stick out. <laughs> um, universal consciousness. Um, oh, what's the term for? I'm forgetting it now. Term for everything having consciousness. I can't remember, or a form of consciousness. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, and uh, but but I'm not. Here's here's the thing. I'm I'm 100 percent certain that I'm I, I'm not certain about anything, you know. Mm. And I don't know if that makes me agnostic. I think that the closest thing to the truth is the man Jesus Christ. Mm. I really do. Um, I think there's a super shady stuff all around that though, not around Jesus, but around the religions that have been built up around Jesus. Right. Uh, I think there's a lot that's been left out of the Bible. And I think that there's a lot of intentionally misleading people that happens in all religions. Um, but I think it's happened, especially in Christianity, uh, picking and choosing what people are taught. Specifically, um, uh, teaching stuff that benefits the church and not the people in the church. Absolutely. Whether it's, you know, tithing, regular attendance, uh, obeying your pastor or your husband. Important things, but should you be preaching on tithing every month, you know? 
should you be preaching just on Romans? You know, I, I would love to go to a church where a pastor does like a month long sermon or two month long sermon stuff on like cryptids in the Bible. Yeah. Right. The weird paranormal stuff that, Oh, there was a talking donkey. And, but that's not just the weirdest stuff. Like (laughs) the descriptions of weird animals in Genesis, the fact that there's stuff like, you know, the, the Genesis six stuff where there talks about chimeras, right? Mm -hmm. Literally like centaurs and fish people and unicorns and shit. And it's like, okay, why didn't we, why didn't I get to Sunday school? Yeah. Like if if a Sunday school teacher, like talking to a class of eight or nine, 10 year olds could captivate their imagination. If they're like, listen, Genesis and stuff like that, the first couple chapters of the Bible, that's a lot more like the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, it's wild. It's than, wild stuff. Than a lot of other things. You know, the, the paranormal stuff of of the Bible. Um, even like just a pastor who would like, you know what, let's talk about the lesser keys of Solomon. Mm. Yeah. You know? Let's talk about this guy who, oh, he was the wisest man ever, and that's all they say. Right. He was super wise. Okay, so wisdom is great, but there's a lot of really poor, wise people. But this guy asked God for wisdom, and then he was able to achieve the wealthiest man ever, right? Controlling spiritual forces, um, built a temple that I think wasn't uh, just a temple. I think it was... um, a channel for manifestation yes. of things, of, of entities and of things that have, you know, um, I find it really interesting looking at, like this is one interesting thing, look at the layout of the Giza Plateau from an aerial perspective mm-hmm. and then put that up with a, like a computer chipboard. And it, it's really, really, they're really close. Yeah. You know, even the lines that connect the nodes um, can match up. And it looks, that's what it looks like to me. And so these ancient structures that people built, right, supposedly spent decades and thousands and thousands of people building them what, to, to bury one dude. And we've never, ever found an actual burial room with a mummy in a pyramid, they're all buried underground. So what was that function? You know, we have pyramids all over the earth. What was their function? Why did they, why did our ancestors do this? I think it was a a macro of what we do now with, with our smartphones and our computers. And um, yeah, I think that that, that kind of stuff, uh, history repeats itself. And I think the technology that we use, um, is a reflection of the ancient technology that we would consider magic and fiction. Yeah. You know, well, you know when they built King Solomon's Temple. If you go, I think it's in um, where is it at? Somewhere in the early Old Testament, it gives exactly how they built uh, King Solomon's Temple. You know, those rocks were were hand were, were hand cut at the quarry, and then brought to the temple site, and they used 
wooden mallets to set the stones, so there was never any sound of, of metal hitting the rock. Uh, there was mm. there was so many specific things they did in that temple um, that Solomon had had built, and it was it was truly like a uh, it was it was a work of art. Like you said, it, it was a magnificent building. It's huge. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm with you. I think if if stuff if if people would read more of the Old Testament, they would see like, even like like the the minor prophets, like the Book of Joel. Joel is a, is a fantastic story. Um, of course, everybody reads Jonah, you know. <clears throat> but I think there are a lot of things that have been like you said, overlooked, especially in the Old Testament, that just never get focused on. It's all about tithing. Don't get divorced. Um, don't do this. Don't do that. And it's not about the actual uh, growth and development of somebody's faith overall. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I like um, you know talking about growth and development of your faith. One of my favorite books, book series, as a kid and even now is the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. Um, and have you ever read those? Never have. You know, that's not my bag. I never read Lord yeah. of the Rings, so, never read Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> so the last book is called The Last Battle, and it's like an Armageddon for this fairyland of Narnia. And everybody is, you know, the whole land is destroyed. Evil is finally conquered. And everybody kind of washes up on this beach um, in front of this giant mountain. And the, some of the main characters are all milling around, and there's characters from each of the books kind of hanging out, and this big nostalgic meetup for everybody in the end. It's like a heaven scene. And one of the characters says, all right, let's go. And the other characters are like, well, where are we going? Where, are, aren't we already here? He's like, no, no, further up and further in. Mm. This, this world is like an onion, and each layer is bigger than the one on the outside. An onion in reverse. I was like, we have a lot more to explore and do. And I think that approaching religion and seeing the magic and the mystical, mm-hmm. putting that back into the religion, and it, be, it not just a uh, faith or a moral, but uh, something, an aspiration and an inspiration that, that there's a lot more in this world and the next that we don't know. And I don't think the next is just going to be um, sitting on clouds, strumming harps, having everything we ever desired, because there are millions of people <clears throat> throughout history that got everything they ever wanted, and they were miserable fucks. Yep, you know, and they hated life uh, because life is not about um, fulfillment; isn't about getting what you want. It's I think it's about it's about struggling, finding what makes you happy, finding what makes you. Um, want to get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, you, you're killing it, bro. You're doing a good job, you know? Um, and so I, 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 what could heaven be if not just the most fulfilling life? And I think that fulfillment comes from um, striving and overcoming. And so I think, I think there's going to be a lot to do in the afterlife, and I think it's going to be an adventure. Yeah, you know, I don't agree. Don't disagree with you. Um, 
you, you said something really true. The, putting the magic and, and, and mysticism back into actual worship service. Um, yeah. Because, you know, the, the American church now, for the most part, <clears throat> has got a, a, a standard cadence to it. You, you, you come in, you have your, your first song, then you have your announcements, then you have songs two, three, and four, maybe a special music. You, get, you, you, you take up the, the offering before the service. So I don't like, I don't like prepaying before I hear what the guy's got to say. But they, they, <laughs> they, take up the, they take up the offering before the guy gets up and preaches. They have the actual book report done and maybe the invitation, and we're out the door and we're headed to Cracker Barrel or wherever we're going to have lunch at, right? That's kind of the yeah. standard. That's the standard for most American church services. There is no wonder or or mysticism in that. There, there is no actual. Is there any actual worship going on in that service? Yeah, now that that's the question. Or, or or is every church on every street corner just going through the motions? You know, yeah. And for me, that I was like, I got to the point. When, last time I went to church, I was like, why? Why am I here? Yeah, and I couldn't answer that question. Well, in most churches, I think it's uh, certainly in the churches I grew up with, and especially when I got into my twenties. Because when I was about twenty, that's when um, that's when Third Day released their album Offerings. I don't know if you remember that album. I remember Third Day. Yep. And uh, that was their worship album, and all of a sudden, worship music just took off, and that was what everyone was doing. And now, then music in church dramatically changed. And that's another thing that turned me off on Christianity is it was, uh, you know, closing your eyes, holding your hands up. And it just, it, it, people who had never done that before started doing it. And it was like, okay, that's what's popular. So that's the fads. That's what people are doing. It's socially acceptable now. Yeah, exactly. And, and you've heard me say this before, but it was, it seems like, in a lot of churches, you the, the first part one of the service is emotional masturbation. Mm-hmm. We get ourselves all worked up and feeling good about Jesus, and then part two is a talking to, and then we're done. Yep, you know. And I grew up. The church I grew up in was small, ninety to about one hundred and twenty people on average. You know, you'd have forty five people there for Wednesday night and Sunday night. And every single Sunday morning, you'd have the same 100 people in the auditorium, and the pastor would give the invitational. And I remember thinking, like, Brother Steve, you, you know everyone in this room. Like, there aren't any non-believers here. We're you know, all you know, for, here. For decades, you've done these people. Nothing's ever changed. <laughs> I'm, I'm blanking on a name of like one of those because there's like ten or fifteen in the in the Baptist hymn, hymnal. There's probably more of the invitational songs. You got you know? just as I am. Um, that's that's what I was thinking about. Yeah. yeah okay. There you go. I was, about to say, I was about to say, "Come as you are," but that's a Nirvana. Song. <laughs> Brother Steve, bring the house down. Request and that be played. Shoot. <laughs> he should have. Yeah. He should have got some life into the church. Yeah, but it was it was a, it's the same it was the same thing every week, you know. And I eventually said, you know, why why am I even why am I doing this? 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, is it just because it's what I was raised doing? You come to church every Sunday night, every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night. It's, it, it's, it, it become you become habitual doing it. It's, it's a habit that you've done forever. And once I got of age, and I was like, I was driving myself to church. I'm like, why am I? You know, why, why am I even doing this? And I was like, well, I'm just going to stop doing it until I figure out why. And yeah, still hadn't been back. You know, and I, I was, I was the guy that if a friend of mine invited me to their church, grow up like in high school or whatever, I would go. I had no qualms about going to a Catholic church, going to a Pentecostal church. Um, I even sat in a in a in a Jewish uh, temple for a couple services. I had a friend of mine that was Jewish. Never had a problem with it. Great people. Every religion. All they got heard growing up is this religion will lead you astray. This this religion this religion will lead you astray. I've been to those religions, and they were just people worshiping God the best their God the best way best way they knew how to do it. And I'm not going to belittle yeah. them for that, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think I think that um, you know I don't I don't agree with a lot of religions mm-hmm. on a lot of different things, but there uh there are good people everywhere. You know, I don't agree with the government on most things, but there are also people in the government who are honestly trying step too far, sir. You're wrong on that. All one. right. Well, I'll give you the, I'll give you the religious thing, but I'm not going to do the government thing. We're maybe, not- maybe not the, maybe not the federal government, but I think that there are not even the state. Who- Whatever. I'm messing with you. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I believe okay, there are so, some people but, who believe. Yes, but I, but I think that that uh, it that holds in across across the board. I think you have really really good people who are just trying to do their best and help others in synagogues and in mosques and in churches everywhere, um, in schools, uh, in institutions, at large companies, at small companies, and you have people who are in those same places just trying to look out for themselves and make a buck and get any edge that they can over everybody else at anybody's expense. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, yeah. No. And they're the ones who fuck it up for everybody else. You know, there, there are, you know, the Catholic church is famous for, you know, it's scandal from uh, about 10 years ago, but there are pedophiles in government. There's pedophiles in public schools, in private schools, well, in churches. That's another thing. Um, yeah, it was, now, now it's just not not the Catholic Church. Well, I was I was waiting for that to happen. The Southern Baptist Church now has been been torn apart over mm-hmm. sexual misconduct allegations. Uh, of course, Scientology's had it for the longest for kidnapping and everything else. Uh, Jehovah's Witness, the the the, what, the Watchtower, is now getting hit with the same scandal. Just years and years and years of sexual misconduct among the clergy and among the lay people too. And yeah. I know as as someone who doesn't have children, I look from the outside looking in and like, how would you? Why would you be able to send your child to any church and leave them alone with another adult? But like you just said, there's people like that in the government, at schools, and everywhere else now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's a it's a it's a product of the mentality of let other people ra- raise your children mm-hmm. or help you raise your children. Yep. Um, it's a, I think it's a product of the smartphone culture we live in where everything's 
on a screen. Everything's easy. You can door dash it rather than going to the grocery store. You, you know, there's shortcuts everywhere. So of course you're going to try, you know, Nickelodeon and YouTube and the public school that, that can raise your kid and they'll be just fine. They'll turn out just fine. No, they won't. No, they won't. And at, at the very best, no, they won't. At the very worst, somebody's going to take advantage of them. Somebody's going to prey on them. They become a victim. Because there's predators everywhere. Yeah. And if you don't guard yourself and the people around you, they're going to turn into prey. So, yeah, it's it's really sad to see the amount of corruption. But I think that it's just in our face now. But I think that that corruption's always been there. You know, child sacrifice in religions goes back thousands and thousands of years. And if they were sacrificing to their God, what else were they doing right. to them? You know, the vestigial virgins at the temples of, you know, Apollo. Venus. Yeah. And Venus, yeah. And it's just, oh, you know, their job is to have sex with people all day long. And, you know, because the gods demand it. Yep. Well, do the gods demand it? Or is that somebody... Some pervert who was in charge one time said, "Hey, let's do it this way." Oh, they blame it on the Oracle of Delphi. She told us to do it. She she got yeah. all high. She told us to, to, to send the virgins to the temples. The, the you know, uh, the Oracle told us to do it. You know, it's just somebody to point at and bl- blame your own choices on. Yeah, um, uh, I do want to do some shop talk. If that's cool. Yep, got about fifteen more minutes here. Get us about an hour. Uh, yeah. You had uh, wanted to talk about intent as well. Yeah, yeah, that's I want to kind of tie it into this. Um, okay, all right. You and I had had talked once about uh, about cooking for people, no matter if it's like you do on a on a uh, mass level in a restaurant, or especially if it's somebody you're cooking for uh, in your home or in their home. Um, yeah, you had mentioned you know that you put your intent in when you're cooking for somebody that you know, you put a certain kind of intent into that food. Um, yes. I had told mom that you said that, and her response was, you know, finally somebody gets it. Because she has believed that mm-hmm. for a long, long, long time. That you prepare this food for somebody in your mind, and you're doing your best on that food and putting all your love and care into it. Like you told me, you know, your your grandmother's fried chicken that she made just for you is better than any salad, better for you than any salad you'll ever eat, just due to yeah. what that woman woman's hands put into that food. Um, mm-hmm. I think we, got, we apply it a lot to everyday stuff, but I mean, you you do it like you you've told me you do it like when we when you see our name on the reservation, you're like, oh well, this is going to be extra special. Yeah, I do that. I have a um, probably. 15 to 20 people um, that when I see their name on the reservation list, um, yeah, I do that for, you know, I re- we have a uh, one, a couple, they're in their sixties, um, big wine people. They've got their own private wine cellar and they always pretty much buy one of everything, no matter what it is <clears throat> as, as a, as a collection. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our sommelier told me one time, like, what their value is of like just their wine cellar, but it's, it's, it's about, well, it used to be about the price of, you know, a first home, right. you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff. They came in, was it last week or no earlier this week? Saw their name on the reservation list 
And, uh, yeah, made sure I had the gluten-free crab cakes that they needed, made a special batch just for them. Um, I finally was able to give them gluten-free sourdough that I've been working on for about a month and a half. Um, did my own sourdough starter, and I did that just for them. Nobody else, just two people who come in every two weeks, you know, because uh, they're a big part of what we do in that they've been like clockwork every two weeks. They come in, they love us. Christmas time comes around, they tip everybody in the building, you know, and they're just they're just those kind of people that once they find, you know, their home, no matter if that's their mechanic or their restaurant or whatever, they're going to love on the people that, that they, um, you know, that serve them and they give them their food. And I want to love them back. How do I do that? Well, I design things just for them. I make sure that it's my hands doing things when I have, uh, you know, friends like when you guys came in recently, um, you know, I want to be the ones cooking your food on the line, plating it, um, preparing it. Actually, here's a good story. Today's Father's Day, right? The last Father's Day. <clears throat> actually, it, he's uh, his name's Nathan. He was um, he's just a couple months older than me, but he was the pastor's son of the church I go to, or I went to when I was a kid. Church I grew up in. We uh, they were homeschooled as well. Grew up a few blocks from him. And, uh, he and I hang out every day during the summer, you know, and even in the fall and spring every single day. And, uh, he's been coming into the rack house specifically on Sundays for about a year and a half now with his wife. Sometimes they'll, they'll bring their kids, great people, love them and kind of reconnected with this friend that I hadn't seen since high school, you know, and it's, it's really good. Well, last father's day, I had one strip steak left from a feature that I had run, and he was in the mood for steak. He was like, hey, will you make me steak and eggs? Sure, I'll do you steak and eggs. So I did last Father's Day steak and eggs. So this Father's Day, I did a, a, my featured entree for the weekend was the strip steak with whipped potatoes, asparagus, Oscar-style, so crab and hollandaise on top mm-hmm. of that. Yeah, And I did that feature just – for him. And then this morning, um, I had about 15 steaks and we ran that as a feature of steak and eggs, potatoes, which I made extra spicy and toast, you know, 30 bucks, whatever we sold out super busy day today. Great day. Um, but yeah, I have, um, a little container in the back that I put together what I call Davenport spice because their last name is Davenport. <laughs> they like things extra spicy. And so I have that little container for them whenever they come in, whether it's a steak they're getting, they they toss their fries in it, whatever it is, that all the guys know, Davenport Spice goes on the Davenport plates. We send it out, you know. So having mindfulness of what you're doing, that it's not just run out the clock. Yeah. There are some days – it feels like that, like I'm just running out the clock. But, but if you, but you need to maintain focus that what you're doing is affecting other people. Is it going to be positive or negative? 
And if you're not doing it um, with positivity, then why are you doing it? Go find and do something that you can do positively because um, you're just pulling down everybody around you. And, and even on a emotional, psychic scale or what, however you want to frame that argument, you're bringing other people down who may not ever see your face, but the work that you do, the food you put out, it could be better even if it, the extra element is just love, mm. you know? Um, my mom, every year, and she's been doing this for 30-plus years, every year, late May, mid-May, late May, she starts looking at strawberries, and she she waits till they're just right, and then she'll just she'll buy out, like, you know, entire Aldi's, all their strawberries. And then she will spend an entire day making jam and she'll make a hundred jars. And that's her, as far as cooking goes in my family, that is a high holy day. Mm. The day she decides to do that, she'll make a post about it on Facebook and everybody's going to come over the next couple of days and get their jars. And, Oh, she did, you know, blueberry strawberry this year or some sort of other infusion. And it's just, I still remember 1997 peach jam that she made. It was a banger. Something about the peaches that year. (laughs) It it was otherworldly. Right. And that taste of the strawberry bananas, you know, she'll make some strawberry banana um, for a couple of us in the family, me in particular, because that's my favorite. Yeah. It's fucking delicious. But uh, that's her high holy day of cooking is making is that day that she chooses when the strawberries are just right and the price is just right and it's not too hot in the kitchen and then she'll make her jam and it is it's an act of worship and but at the same time an act of service but your your mother your mother would never say it was an act of worship she would never say it's an act of service she would say i'm doing this is this is my thing you know and i'm doing it for Mm -hmm. the kids um yeah. Even though she don't realize how many levels that she's working on, you know, mm-hmm. to her, it's, this is my thing. You know, this, yeah. is, this is my one day a year where I do something for the kids and whatnot, you know, but you nailed it. That, that, that's her in, in her, in her tabernacle. She is mm-hmm. do, doing her act of worship and act of service. Yeah. She's a priestess. Like you said, in the tabernacle, <laughs> that's doing- a great way of putting it. <laughs> Doing her high magic. Yep. And, uh, yeah. So, and I think that, that mindfulness, that intent in what you're doing, um, can then carry over into other things, you know, even in just my end of day routine, when in, you know, getting off work, my end of day routine, um, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm like, okay, you know, am I just going to turn on the TV and watch something on the computer or download something to watch or the next latest Marvel garbage or whatever? Or could I have a drink, get a little baked and think about the day? Think about tomorrow and plan rather than having life. Right. Happen to you. You you cut out the last part. Plan and do what? Uh, Plan and have life happen to you or happen to life instead of life happening to you. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, 
and so that that mindfulness and intention, I think, is something that uh, a lot of people don't think about. And you know, it transfers from religion. You know, we no longer have mindfulness and attention that a worship service is a ceremony, right? It's there's magic and mysticism to it. And if we're not conscious of that and treat it as such, then we it's it's I mean it's borderline blasphemous mm-hmm. because you're totally throwing out what it's meant to be is you know, if, if to you, it's just a social gathering and penance, then it loses all of its power. And I think that's, that's part of the reason why Christianity and a lot of religions in the world have been in such decline because there's no longer the mindfulness of, of, Hey, what you're doing in your physical actions in how you approach, approach problems and your mentality about the world around you can be literal magic. If you let it, you know. Yes, uh, <clears throat> I, I think it's you know, you mentioned the, the the magic and everything in a in a worship service, and it's so weird that you know, the Catholic Church has clung to that for so long. You go to a Catholic service, they still come in with the incense. We can go. That's a whole rabbit hole we could dump into. Too. <laughs> we'll talk about just the <laughs> incense alone, but the Catholic Church has clung to the almost mystic view of their church services. Mm-hmm. You don't see that in really any Protestant religion at all. The The closest thing I would relate it to, I had a friend of mine who was a Pentecostal or church. I think I can't remember if he was Pentecostal or church of God, but I think he was Pentecostal. Um, he invited me to a church service and unbeknownst to me, they practice foot washing. And he, okay. he invited me because I was a friend of his and he said, I want to wash your feet. And so he washed my feet. And when he got done, you know, I said, now I, I want to wash your, you don't have to I was like, no, I, I, I want to do that too. Um, first time I ever tried it. Or first time I ever done it before was that night. Um, it's a very humbling experience. Uh, you know, to kneel down at somebody's feet and, and wash their feet. And you're doing it, like you said, with intent his intent of inviting me there and, and offering to do that was it was his way of showing me that he loved me as, as a as a friend and as a brother, and uh, you know I, I wanted to reciprocate that. I loved him the same as he loved me, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you don't see a lot of rich real, real ritual and, and and mystic stuff in the Protestant Church at all. No, it's almost like they're afraid of it. Yeah. I think, well, it's become, I think it's such an, it's, I think a lot of religions are like that, but it's an institution, you know? And so it has become like, like all um, bureaucracy at a certain point, it's only mission is more bureaucracy. Um, because more corporate, it's, it's a money making yeah. system here. Yeah, my I have a younger brother. He's like twenty seven, and um, he's will go to church occasionally still. Um, but there was about a year where he dropped off, and he was the mo- one of the most religious in the family. And about a, maybe a year and a half, two years, where he just stopped going to church, and it was because he got involved in ministry in the church. 
in the music ministry and then in, in some outreach stuff. And he, he stopped going to church and he said, because the only thing people who are in the ministry running things in the church are concerned about are numbers, mm-hmm. more people, more money. That's the goal. And in, in a, and this is a church that's 300 people, right? 354, maybe 450 in the membership, 300 people showing up every Sunday. Good so size church. not a big church, you know, it's decent size. Decent size. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it is. It is. But it's also in a, in a large suburban area. So there are much, much bigger churches in this, in this area. But so even in a church that size, it's still a bureaucratic function. And that's the main concern of the people running things at the top is more money, more people. How do we, how do we get more? How do we grow the attendance roles? How do we grow the membership? Like not, are you, are you, no, the, the point of the church is the, the spiritual health of its membership. Yeah. It's great to add new members. If you want to evangelize, go ahead. But you need to take care of and and teach the people who are actually showing up, and that should be your first concern. For sure. That's why we don't teach magic in church anymore. Unfortunately. Yep. All right, Matthew, anything else tonight? No. No, I don't think so. It was a good conversation. I, I enjoy having – because I've had this – type of conversation with with people before and every couple of years you'll have one on religion you know and magic and stuff like that and it's the yeah living with intention spiritual intention um and and understanding what you do religiously and how you can translate that into worship and into magic and into something that's not mundane mm. recognizing the spiritual um it's a it's a nice reminder to myself of hey you know don't don't get drunk and <laughs> stop sinning don't go to Rhonda's don't go to the titty bar there you go ends for Rhonda oh man well, yeah man, it was good chatting with you brother you too man thank you so much thank all y'all for listening to this episode of the Hango Show be sure to go by tripodbroadcasting dot com to check out all the shows on the network. Also, be sure to check out our sponsors down in the show notes, like ebles.com, E-A-B-L-E-S, where you can save 15% on your next purchase of some premium CBD products. Also, go by mydelta8.com. Once again, Matthew, the Suburban Wizard, thank you so much for hanging out today. I appreciate it, brother. I love you. Love you, Hango. I love all you out there for listening. We'll see you next time.